Hi, it's Jennifer from the communications team back with you today. Today's topic is not necessarily a very enjoyable subject to talk about, but it's certainly an important one. And if you are the parent of or love a teenager, it is crucial that we are all educated about suicide prevention. 2012 graduate India Way is on the forefront of helping to raise awareness about suicide and is sharing her heart and knowledge with us on this edition of the podcast. I think you'll also hear some really practical advice. Welcome to the Brentwood Academy podcast. We're a co-educational independent college preparatory school near Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to nurture and challenge each whole person, body, mind, and spirit to the glory of God. This podcast will give you a glimpse into the stories, lives, and relationships that make BA such a special place. For more information about BA, visit BrentwoodAcademy.com. Now on to today's episode. Welcome, India. We are so glad to have you back on campus today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So India is an Auburn University graduate, and she is now working in medical sales, but she's back here in Nashville after being away for a few years and is now the chair of programs and education for the Tennessee chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. You know, one of the first things that comes to my mind is thinking about you know, just how young you are. You just graduated from here in 2012. But the advantage that is when you go to speak, educate, talk to students, because there's such a relatability for young people mm-hmm. to relate to you because you're just not that far removed from, from where they were and some of those same things that, that teens deal with. Mm-hmm. Is that certainly an advantage for you? Absolutely. It, it makes it a lot easier, especially since my passion is with working with schools, um, whether that's college or mainly high school level um, and middle school around the area. It really helps to be closer to their age, be cooler, you know, kind of more relatable in their eyes versus a teacher that they know or an older person coming in and talking at them. And, you know, especially the younger kids, middle school and elementary, they kind of tune it out. So it definitely helps. That's awesome. So let's go back to um, Brentwood Academy, India. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What were some of the things that you were involved in here um, as a student? Yeah, so I started BA in seventh grade and then graduated from here in 2012, like you said. Um, While I was here, in high school I was on the dance team um, and did that all throughout so kind of when the dance team was getting up and running with coach Kennedy um, I was a part of that group so that was my main thing that I did and then I was in Greece my senior year so (laughs) that's about it you did the obligatory senior musical (laughs) yes exactly exactly. (laughs) I remember that well actually so um We're talking today a little bit about um, where your heart and your passion is for this topic, which is certainly difficult to talk about and and not the most pleasant of topics. But um, I'm I'm excited today to get to highlight the efforts that you're putting toward awareness. Um, So tell me kind of, um, it's interesting because here we're here at the school where you first developed this passion for this topic because Mm -hmm. you experienced as a student um, something that kind of changed your perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it started for me here at BA. Um, When we were juniors, we lost Braxton to suicide over Christmas break. And I hadn't really been exposed to suicide before that. I didn't really know much about it. Um, I just hadn't had to deal with that in my life. So once we lost Braxton, it really created an awareness within me 
and um, it made me more observant and more considerate of those around me just because you know a lot of us didn't know that Braxton was struggling and so it just makes you think you know what are my other friends going through what are the other people in my grade and in grades around me going through that I maybe don't know about Um, so it really makes you just innately more kind and considerate of of people around you Mm -hmm. and so that was the first change that I noticed is just always assuming that people have stuff going on and you should always be kind no matter what. So that was the first change, you know, sort of in my heart. Um, And then especially once I got to college and saw the continuation of, you know, this, this epidemic in our world through, you know, Robin Williams passed away at about that point in time. We lost some students at Auburn my first few years there. Um, That really ignited this passion in me to, you know, promote prevention and raise awareness on both mental health and the stigma around mental health and getting help and then also suicide prevention. You mentioned when you were a freshman at Auburn, Mm -hmm. you were aware of three students Mm -hmm. that year Mm -hmm. that had taken their lives Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, like you said, really brought to light the true epidemic that it is. And and so much of it is um, the lack of education and awareness. And I think that... um, you know, that's been instrumental for you to kind of figure out, you know, what can you as one person do to Mm -hmm. kind of spread the messages? What did you do proactively Mm -hmm. to educate yourself and to get involved in in the cause? Yeah, so at Auburn is when I really started on the um, education piece of it and doing the trainings and that sort of thing. So um, I did what's called QPR training. That stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer. We call it the CPR of mental health. So um, I went through that training and then became a trainer and um, helped facilitate those trainings on campus. So that was my first exposure to any type of actual training besides just being in tune with those around you, being okay talking about those things, and being observant. Um, So that was when the training first started, and then from there, just being around it and being a part of this community. You're exposed to a lot of other trainings. Um, I've been assist trained. I've been gatekeeper trained, which is all (laughs) probably foreign concepts to people who aren't, you know, kind of involved in that world, but there's a lot of trainings that you can do as a non- you know, mental health professional or any type of healthcare professional to still be able to train people on prevention and look for those warning signs, help in a crisis, those sort of things that are, they're more non-clinical, that are non, you know, not diagnosing people, but just prevention and helping and assisting. Is that the main thing that that we need to be as parents, as educators, as, um, that we need to be educated on is, the, are the warning signs? Mm-hmm. The warning signs and then how to handle those warning signs. A lot of times too, especially with kids and sometimes even with adults, you see warning signs and you think, mm, something's not right, or ooh, that didn't sound good, or, you know, wow, this, this student, for example, just suffered, you know, a loss of a parent or a sibling or something very traumatic in their life, but you don't know, well, now what? Now where do I go? Now what do I do? I can't help them. I don't know anything about this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever the situation is, it's 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 the initial recognition and ownership of, of looking for the signs and then taking action afterwards and, and getting that child or that friend or that loved one or that spouse help. Um, and that's where a lot of people get stuck because they just don't know where to go for help. When you speak to students, is that their main concern is the concern they have for friends Mm -hmm. in their life and they're not sure what to do with information that has sparked that concern absolutely they and a lot of times too with kids you know they joke there's you hear people all the time like oh i'm gonna slit my wrist or oh i'm gonna shoot myself Mm -hmm. you know people say that as as a funny statement and they're they're almost 
desensitized to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's part of the problem is they don't know when to take it seriously and when not, the younger students. Another issue is they don't want to get in trouble with their friend. They don't want to make their friend angry because a lot of times it's, well, don't tell anybody but I'm thinking about, you know, taking my life or I'm thinking about hurting myself. Mm. Um, and, and that scares them. And then on top of that, you know, they don't want to make their friend mad because their friend said, don't tell anybody. And they don't want to break that trust. So it kind of turns into this vicious cycle of I want to get them help, but I don't want to make them mad. And I don't, mm. you know, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that definitely plays into, you know, them just also not being mature enough to really innately know how to handle that situation. You know, for a parent, they're like, I don't care if you're mad at me. We're going to the hospital, you yeah. know. But for a friend, it, that's more of an interesting dynamic, and it's sometimes hard for them to have the courage to speak up. Mm-hmm. And it's not a lot different with parents. Anytime you know that maybe a student or a, a friend's child is getting involved in something they shouldn't be, and where mm-hmm. do you, when do you step in? When do you? Because there's that fine line of feeling like you're butting into personal business mm-hmm. or hearsay, or you know, concerned about the legitimacy of of that. Um, so even as adults, we can relate to sometimes not knowing what to do with information. Mm -hmm. So how do you advise these teenagers that have that issue? Better safe than sorry. Um, You you know, if your friend's mad at you, they're going to get over it. I've had friends livid with me for calling their parents four or five months later, hey, thanks, you really saved my life. Like, Mm -hmm. I owe you. And I do not have a single relationship, friendship situation where I have spoke up out of concern and it ruined a friendship, ever. I mean, they they might be mad for a minute, but once they come out of whatever dark place they're in, they're going to be very thankful for you. And those parents, you know, if it's a parent to a parent or a teacher or faculty to a parent, something like that, people are get defensive because there is this stigma around mental health it's seen as a very negative thing even though it's actually extremely common one in four people struggle with with mental health conditions so it's very common almost everybody is touched by this topic but nobody wants to talk about it Mm -hmm. so if you just take ownership of that be bold and be safe better safe than sorry and just go voice that concern or you know if there's a complaint from another student A lot of times I see with schools specifically, teachers and staff are trained to, even if it is a, you know, maybe they were kidding, maybe they weren't, doesn't seem like a real threat, but we're not sure. They call the parent anyway and are just like, hey, we're just reporting. We're not diagnosing. We're not trying to get in your business. I'm just telling you what was said and what we were told by either your student or another student that's concerned. Mm -hmm. And um, at schools who are doing that, they've never really gotten negative feedback. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And as parents, we all want to be informed. I mean, Mm -hmm. in some cases... And at school, the teachers, the educators, they're they're spending more time with your student than you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we all need to have eyes on it for sure. Mm-hmm. So your advice always to the students then is is almost the, if you hear or see something, say something. Like yes. make sure that you're not always. hesitant to get involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what – are, oh, man, being a teenager today is so much more difficult – Mm-hmm. Um, because of the internet, social mm-hmm. media, mm-hmm. the comparison game, the way that it's you know just in their faces all the time. How do you see all of that affecting um, the increasing rate mm-hmm. in um, suicide? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it does. You know, as, as much as healthcare professionals don't want to 
prescribe social media as a, as a cause here. It is. And it, it definitely influences it. You can't really quantify how, um, but it, it's obvious that that's a trend. I mean, I got Facebook as a Christmas present my sophomore year of high school. Snapchat didn't exist. Instagram didn't exist. None of this. I didn't know any of that. If people were hanging out without me, I didn't know. Um, you know, so now that kids have the ability to hide behind screens and to see what's going on around them, compare themselves to photoshopped pictures and think that that's the standard of the world. It's affecting their self-esteem. It's a, it's affecting bullying. It's, you know, it, it has a very important role in a lot of different things. And they just really need to be aware of how they're treating others and how they're talking about others and watch out for that because they, it definitely correlates. So the, the rate, it stayed the second cause of death um, in kids and I say kids broadly it used to be when I was in college it was I believe ages 18 to 25 it's now ages 10 to 34 wow so it has dropped down to 10 years old is relevant statistically relevant enough to be included in that age range for second leading cause of death oh my goodness Mm -hmm. so you know we're talking about the kids who are getting social media younger and younger and you Mm -hmm. know faced with some of the things you just talked about and Man, 10 years old, that is so, so young. Um, Give me some more insight because you are just in the middle of it, of talking to teenagers. And I know, um, you know, you'll speak and then have teenagers stand in line for a long time Mm -hmm. to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times it's just because, wow, you've actually brought this up Mm -hmm. in front of us. We're openly talking about this. And Mm -hmm. um, what do they want to say? Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. Tell me more about that. A lot of times they are either struggling themselves, which is a little more rare, um, or they're really worried about somebody. Somebody has made a threat to their own life, has attempted before, is planning to attempt. Um, they're really concerned about a cousin, a friend, a boyfriend, mm-hmm. a, you know, whatever it is. Um, I've had a few of, of kids that will wait in line and, and they're worried about a parent and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to tell the other parent. They're, you know, they're not sure how to navigate that. So a lot of times they are in that stuck place that you know that even adults get in of okay I know there's an issue I'm aware I'm I'm talking to them about it but how do I get them help because you know we as non-mental health professionals can only do so much we can't you know prescribe them anything we can't do any type of therapy or anything like that like they need help at that point and they just don't know how to get them that help um, there's a lot of situations where the child either does not know or does not feel comfortable contacting their friend's parents mm-hmm. so they don't know who else to go to they don't know who's safe at the school they don't want to get in trouble um, they don't want their name associated with it you know stuff like that it's kind of this diffusion of responsibility they're like well I know about it but someone else will say something Mm -hmm. someone else will Mm -hmm. take care of it someone else will handle it and they just don't know what to do Mm -hmm. I want to make sure today that we um, kind of equip people with some practical things Mm -hmm. that they can use and and for parents who listen to this um, they may choose to share it with Mm -hmm. their student Mm -hmm. to help them to um, no warning signs to know mm-hmm. the practical things that they can do to make them feel more confident if they're ever placed in a situation mm-hmm. where they're dealing with a friend or a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so where do we start on that? <laughs> yeah, so the first step would just be knowing the warning signs, which we break them down into three categories, talk, mood, and behavior. Okay. They're pretty self-explanatory. Um, if someone is blatantly saying I'm going to take my own life or I'm going to hurt myself or I think I'm depressed I think I have a mental health condition they're saying it they also might say things like I don't have a purpose in this world or I feel hopeless or nobody would even care if I wasn't here Mm -hmm. little things like that when they're talking very derogatory about themselves or demeaning the value of their own life um that's that's a talk behavior that we would say okay woo. 
that's something's going on there most people don't feel that way um mood if they're sad all the time angry all the time um if it's a child that usually is pretty well behaved and starts rebelling or the opposite a child that is usually pretty defiant and then all of a sudden they they get really calm and you're like okay wait what just happened um, just a, a severe mood a severe swing mood or change or uh-huh. change no matter what direction it goes anything like that or of course if they all of a sudden start secluding themselves not having any energy sleeping too much sleeping too little mm-hmm. any drastic lifestyle or behavior change. kind of extremes in those because a lot of a lot of that is teenage behavior right the, the moodiness and mm-hmm. the sleeping a lot those kind of things but we're talking about drastic like change. changes that mm-hmm. you know that you notice yeah yeah not just a normal trend like they're getting older and they're sleeping more or staying up later that's normal but any kind of opposition is what you want to look out for and then behaviors um such as you know the same the kind of the secondhand behaviors of their mood any result of those mood changes any of those behaviors they're partying more maybe they're getting into substances or alcohol that they weren't doing before Mm -hmm. um you know maybe they are giving valuable things away that you see that a lot there's some prized possession or some family heirloom or something that they love and they give it to a sibling or they give it to a friend and you're like okay why do you not want that anymore Uh um things like that are, are obviously signs as well Okay, okay. So once you know the warning signs, the next step is what What do you do now? I've seen it. I'm worried about it. So you talk to that person, um, and then you need to get them help. So depending on your role in that person's life, if you're just a concerned friend or administrator or something like that, definitely contact the parents if the parents are not aware. If you are a parent, you're worried about your child, um, I would advise getting them therapy or if it's an emergency, take them to the hospital. Every hospital around here is equipped to handle that. They have people that are trained to handle immediate imminent threats of suicide. Um, so you can call 911 or you can just take your child to the hospital and they'll they'll defer you accordingly. Um, Vanderbilt has an incredible psychiatric unit that is very, very good at handling these situations as well. So if it's immediate, call 911. It's, they are there for that. Um, even if it's just they haven't hurt themselves yet, but they have said that they are going to, mm-hmm. you can call 911. Or if they're with a friend and you're not with them, that friend can call 911, um, taking them to the hospital or just, you know, hey, let's, let's go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, let's find you a good therapist. Let's go work through this and maybe see what's going on. Right. Um, a lot of options. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, no one ever hopes they have to use, but but mm-hmm. we certainly um, have options around us for things to do. And, and like you said, it really boils down to being safe over sorry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. What? Um, tell us just a little bit more about what you're doing and how you got involved um, mm-hmm. being so young with the um, Tennessee chapter for the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. I mentioned earlier that India is the chair of the programs and education area of that chapter. So mm-hmm. what does that entail? Yeah, so when I moved back to Tennessee um, back in December, I really wanted to get involved again. So I did a lot, like I said, during college. And then right after college, I moved away for a few years and various parts of Michigan and um, Tennessee. So I wasn't as involved at that point, but as soon as I got back, that was top of my to-do list. So I got asked um, by my aunt who works at a school in Jackson, Tennessee to come speak there. I reached out to American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and got in touch with their local chapter, just asking for help. Hey, do you guys have a PowerPoint? Do you have anything you recommend with this age group of kids? Because I hadn't done anything at the high school level yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So at that point, they kind of recognized, okay, 
this is a young girl that likes to public speak. Sign number one, we need to keep her around. Um, and then they knew that I had a passion for this. So um, they had an opening. They didn't have anybody to be the committee chair for programs and education. So I, I volunteered to take that on. And I do that in my spare time whenever I can. Um, it basically means that I travel across the state of Tennessee and I will give trainings, presentations, talks, anything that they need, anything program or education wise um, at any type of entity, whether it's a group of parents that just want to learn more, if it's a school, if it is a church, um, the VAs, the DODs, anything like that. I, I help out with all things, basically programs and education wise in any type of training. And I love it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Kali, I'm so proud of you and, and <laughs> taking steps to, to do you. that. And just, you know, it's such a wonderful purpose mm-hmm. to have to mm-hmm. spread the word. And um, and again, I love to go back to the fact that you are so young and the relatability in particular because your audience is primarily teenagers mm-hmm. and um, how important it is to be able to educate and equip them before they go into college and see, mm-hmm. you know, more rampant numbers like what you were experiencing personally, mm-hmm. you know, when you were in school too. So, well, thank you so much for being with us and getting information out there. I think you've really helped to give some, you know, practical tips to students and, um, and to parents. And mm-hmm. we just really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a talk line and a text line available um, if there is a situation where you need to contact somebody immediately. And we can put those in the email below so these will be available for you guys too okay sure we'll be sure to attach that thanks india well if what you heard from india today is something you can use to help spark a conversation with your teenager we encourage you to share this link to the podcast also the jason foundation is an incredible organization based right here in nashville and if you need to talk further with someone about this topic you can call 1-800-273-TALK Thanks for listening. It's always great to hear the wonderful stories, moments, and insights from members of the BA community. If you have an idea for a podcast episode, we want to hear it. Just visit BrentwoodAcademy.com forward slash podcast to submit your episode idea today.